Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Rebecca Schnell, how are you? I can see you, but uh, no sound. Loving the Bigfoot merch, though. Okay, uh, can you hear me now? I think I had it muted. Got you. How are you? Perfect. I'm well. How are you? I'm Hold doing on, great. Let me start the store. So I was like trying to run around the house to find like, because I'm at my in-laws house and I wanted to try to find the best lighting. So hold on a second. You got it. You got it. Whatever you find will be better than mine. I don't know about that all of these months okay. into zooming and i i still haven't got a very much right? set up but it sounds good it you have a much better setup than i do i'm using my ipad and and my airpods so it works for me let me see if i can flip this around i'm trying to do like a cool little setup but i think that's too high is that gonna sit okay how is that for you that is great okay now how do i move myself so i don't stare at myself and actually have the camera uh top right view maybe okay let's see that's better okay yeah i like that cheers to you you too you look great it's nice to see you in a new context not on an oh, arena floor. Thank you. Right? <laughs> Completely not on the arena floor. Actually on a little, I would say, a hiatus or a break because we're waiting on the trucks to get back to America still. Really? So how long does mm-hmm. that take? I mean, we're going to jump all over the place, I'm sure, but I need closure yeah. to that question now. So how long does it take to get from America to the UK or vice versa? Um. So from what I understand, they're somewhere in the mid-Atlantic right now. We're supposed to see them on Tuesday, I believe, coming up. So give or take six weeks or so. Wow. That's quite the expedition yeah. for them, then, the trucks. If only <laughs> they is. could talk and tell us the stories of what they saw along the way. You know, if I could find a GoPro battery that would last long enough that I could record their entire mission, I would totally be down to do that. I even talked about throwing an air tag, you know, uh, like a little tracking device in the container just to see like if we could pick up where they are. But exactly. But it um, you have to have Wi-Fi everywhere for that thing. So that wasn't an option either. One day. So where are you now? You're at Darren's parents house. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I'm in South Dakota um, with Darren's parents. Um, we came up here just to have a little 
one R and R for ourselves because we ran a rugged tour, right? And two, they're getting older and they're not getting a day younger, unfortunately. So we try to come up and give some help to some of the things around the farm. They have a farm. They do a garden and a greenhouse every year. Um, and then just little things like we, my husband, I, Darren, I put a roof on their garage last week because last fall they got a hailstorm. So you know, it's just easier for us to come help do that versus them pay, you know, an astronomical amount of money to have that repaired. You get to do yard work and chores and spend quality time with the family. Exactly. Two birds, one stone, all done. So let's go way back to the start. Where were you born and raised and where did you go to school? And let's get some kind of childhood year context from from Rebecca Snell, if that's all right. If you don't mind going there. Well, way back in the day, (laughs) I was born and raised um, in a small town named Stoneville, North Carolina. You probably won't even see it on a map because it's that small, Um, but I am very, very proud of where I came from. Uh, I lived there in North Carolina in the same house in the same area for 19 and a half years. Darren and I got married when I was 19 years old. 20. No, I was 20. I lie. I was 20. (laughs) The running joke is that we couldn't even um, experience an adult beverage at our wedding um, because we got married so early. Are you the same age? Yeah. No, Darren is six years older than I am. Right. So he could have enjoyed an alcoholic beverage. Correct. At the wedding. Correct. But he was a gentleman and he did not. (laughs) There we go. So how did you two meet? Yeah, that's a fun story. We both tell it a little differently, but I like to tell the not so sappy romantic side. I was actually a senior in high school still. And in my fourth period class, I would get to leave and go adventure into the work world, right? Um, Because us as Americans, we work our lives away. Um, So I was actually a pharmacy tech in a CVS pharmacy for my American folks. I'll know that about really well that's one of the top leading chains of pharmacies in america um but it was easter weekend darren was doing a firestone display which firestone is one of our leading sponsors in the truck industry and i I grew up going to monster truck shows but i'd never really seen them up close in person so before i went into my work period i drove over and i saw this monster truck and i'm like wow that's really cool i wonder if you can get in it and i'm a bit rebellious as you know (laughs) And so I climbed up in his monster truck. You are not supposed to do that, by the way, just for anyone listening. Don't just randomly climb into a monster truck. Uh, or or I any in the vehicle, truck. probably. <laughs> oh, right, or any other vehicle. So, so I climbed in the monster truck, and so he was on the other side talking to another um, fan. Came around, and he's like, excuse me, ma'am, I'm going to have to ask you to get out of my monster truck. And I said, um, I would love to, but can you snap a picture first? <laughs> so, and so that is how our relationship started. The redhead rebellion just climbed in the monster truck, asked him to take a picture. We actually immediately had instant chemistry. And I went back the second day um, to see him because he was on display for two days there. And he was such a gentleman. He gave me a Miss Bigfoot toy and I was swooned and we exchanged numbers. And <clears throat> I was a little bit of a pg terms uh shithead okay. <laughs> and i actually gave him my mom's cell phone number and not my personal cell phone number because i didn't know this guy he was driving a monster truck traveling the country right like i don't want to just randomly give out my phone number and you let mom deal with that lo and behold oh yeah oh and i didn't tell my mom that either at the time but she knew i was swooning big time over this guy she drove me to see it i um was probably in trouble i, I don't remember exactly why i wasn't driving at the time i did have a license and i did have a vehicle to drive but probably because I had gotten myself in trouble, she was, I had gotten my license taken away or my keys taken away. So she had to drive me to work that day. Um, but she calls me in her room at like midnight that night and said, you are not going to believe this. First of all, she full named me and said to get myself into her bedroom and to tell me that this guy had texted her phone at 1230 in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I had to explain to my mom that I'd met this guy. It's a good job he is a gentleman, hey? Right, right. I'd met this guy. Because I'm assuming the, the content mom- of the text, although it was late at night, was, was fairly well to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was. No, it was. He was a gentleman. She was like, who's this guy messaging my cell phone asking for you? 
Um, and so then I'd explain to her all of the, the details of our encounter. And she's like, oh, okay, well, how about you give me your phone number next time? <laughs> and carried on. So weeks later, um, he was actually back in North Carolina. So I did, left that detail out. He was in North Carolina in my hometown doing the Firestone display. He had left that second night to go to his next display, I think in Louisiana. And a few weeks later, he was supposed to be in North Carolina again in the mountains, which for me, that was about a four hour drive. I was completely a homebody at that time. Didn't ever really leave home. I'd been to two states before I met Darren. And I told my mom that I was going to take a college day from, from high school where we could go and visit the college, which was not the plan at all. I was going to drive up and meet Darren again. And she said, well, I'll go with you. So Darren and I's first date was with my mom. Chaperones, so old great. school. Yep. Old school. And again, he was a gentleman. Um, and then from that point forward, he asked me if we could try a long distance relationship. And that is our history. Do you know what? That warms my heart. And, you know, I'm a romantic person, but I'm also cynical. And life has yeah. made me that way. And uh, whenever I hear stories like that, it gives me great <laughs> hope in humanity. That's a lovely uh, story. Yeah. Oh, thank you. He honestly, I got a winner in life. Darren is such a, a a wonderful man. We actually just celebrated our twelfth wedding anniversary on the thirteenth. Yep, I mean for twelve years we've been together for fifteen, fifteen years, I believe now. Yeah, it's amazing. And I have to give most of my credit. You know, we'll get into this a little more about the monster trucks, but I have to give my career credit to Darren because without him, I wouldn't probably be in a monster truck. I never had a million years and dreamed of driving a monster truck let alone but yeah darren is quite the uh quite the guy well you're quite the gal as well you know you're quite oh, the pair you. and, and you know i think just a little bit of if everybody listening to this is kind of a little bit like you know what's going on who's this guest um rebecca and i work together on the uk leg of the um the hot wheels monster truck lives tour we've done two years i think together now and um yeah. what instantly kind of impressed me about you is not just your ability um behind the wheel but especially like on the mic and working with crowds and, and even when the mic's not on or the camera's not on just your engagement with the audience it's so clear that you take great pride and care in what you do it means everything yeah. and it's not just a sport but it's a show and it's you know in these large-scale events we you know focus very often on the the family element of them um, but I do think in, in your case, that is the core of, of what this gig is all about. And even just the way you travel and the way you tour with Ricky and Allison and, and their little family. And I, I yeah. see you kind of assuming auntie duty and loving it. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really, um, it's a nice environment for me to be in because it's so different to music and what I'm used to doing. And um, just in, immediately from from right out of the gate, I was really um, inspired by you and your um, care for what you do and love of what you do. Um, so where and when, before Darren, are Monster Trucks on your radar at all before that moment? And are you as a kid going to any of these shows and, and falling in love with, with you know, the, the day out, the event, the spectacle of it? Like, where does your connection to this life before Mr. Schnell begin or is it there yeah no it's it's there completely um i actually had quite the honor and privilege of performing in my hometown arena last fall um so as a kid in the town that i grew up in every february january or february there would always be a professional bull riding event and then a, a monster jam event um so our competitors to hot wheels monster trucks live um if you will but they would always perform in the Greensboro Com Coliseum Complex. And that's where I went to shows growing up. My mom would take us um, and we would get to see the trucks and get to see them perform. I've always had prior to had always been interested in trucks, one, lifted trucks, two, and anything with horsepower. Now, that being said, I didn't grow up doing any of that stuff. I actually grew up on horseback. I competed on um a thoroughbred horse I did for many, many years. I owned my own horse um, and we did English pleasure riding. And then I did a, do jump a few fences um, from time to time, but I had no mechanical background whatsoever before Darren. Um, so interesting to go from a four-legged animal to a mechanical horsepower, if that makes a little sense to our listeners. Yeah. So you were used to 
in some sense competing and performing just in a very yeah. different world yeah absolutely i've got a picture of you now on horseback <laughs> there it is <laughs> yeah it's funny because i very early on had a really negative experience with horses that put me off for life it was a shame because i used to love going uh -huh. horse riding right i used to love it pony trekking horse riding all of that stuff and um one day i'm in wales with my dad and like a group of people and we we're all on horses going through fields and i guess i had a horse that was a bit temperamental and he just mm -hmm. took off from the rest of the group and because i was so young i must have been seven or eight and it was a fully grown horse and um yeah. I couldn't control it, so I just jumped off. <laughs> I was oh. fine. I was fine. I didn't break anything. But in that moment, I was like, I can't control this guy. So I, just, I hopped off the horse mid-motion. I don't know how I didn't break anything. And then the horse just went off, and he's gone. And, and after that, I was a bit like, well, I'm not sure I want to get on one of them again. And I think they are, um, they can be, I guess, unpredictable and temperamental, but they're such beautiful, majestic creatures as well i can still now see one and appreciate the because there's a moment i think when they come over to you and i mean talk to me a little bit about that the caring and the the interaction with horses because it, it can be quite almost a spiritual experience i think it is it is and i still i still ride now i uh last year i had a moment in time of mental mental disparage if you will and horses have always been something that I loved riding and doing and it's such a different experience when you connect with an animal and it can take you to a whole nother world in a way it totally separates your mind and abilities to to be away from whatever is surrounding you or bothering you at the time but I did I started riding again last year and it was probably one of the best things that I have ever done um horses are really in tune to their riders so like you said, if you're afraid of them, they pick up on that. And it's not that they necessarily take advantage of that, but they are very large animals and you have to let them know that you're the person in charge of where you're going and how to control them, especially if they've been trained appropriately. Um, I just, I understand completely where you come from being afraid of them. When I was a kid showing, I remember being in a show ring and I'm on I'm like seven or eight years old, so I'm tiny. I'm not a big gal as it is anyway, but I was tiny at the time. And this horse that I was riding was a 16-2 thoroughbred, very tall horse, ex-race horse. Uh, we're jumping fences and another family that had a little boy um, that wasn't showing, was riding an electric scooter, came around the show ring and I'm going over the fence with my horse and she freaked out and reared up and it threw me off completely. And I landed back back down on top of the fence so like almost hospital worthy trip for me um but my trainer was she is was a riot and I still communicate with her to these days she made me get back up and get back on the horse and finish my show after of course making sure that I was okay but from that point forward sometimes there's a part of you that almost always worries that that's going to happen again because falling off of a horse or jumping off of a horse in your situation is <laughs> yeah. not a eject. fun adventure right you literally immediately hit the eject <laughs> button and wonder if you can move and still you know have all of your limbs and nothing is broken but riding horses is something that is back to your original question but it's something so magical in itself um for both male and female that i think is something that that should be pushed more in the world. I know there's a lot of kids that are these days that are very much indoor kids and they love uh, video games and there's nothing wrong with that. But getting back in tune to where I came from, from childhood and being outdoors all the time with animals and horses and cows and all those farm animals, I think is so important to our kids these days to, to ground them and to appreciate, you know, not only life itself, but to where food comes from, you know, um, and how to just maneuver throughout life. Well, there's a great metaphor there, isn't there? The the actual yeah. phrase itself of getting back on the horse, like it obviously, yes. you know, it's the literal meaning of that, but it is also a great, uh, you know, kind of representation of what we do when we fall down is we should pick ourselves back up and not have reservation or fear to put ourselves back in those situations again, just because what happened the last time. Matt Stocks, what a wonderful way. You are always the man with the magical words. <laughs> well, so after, um, you meet Darren and you're kind of being introduced more to the behind the scenes side of this world, if you will. Uh, when do you start taking an active interest in the, you know, the engines, the machines, the, the performative and, and competitive element of, of the whole um, community? And then 
um, when does the work itself begin? Uh, that's a fun story because what a lot of people don't know, and I think it's a really cool aspect of my life, is that before Monster Trucks, I had wanted to be a nurse. Um, so when Darren and I first got together, I said absolutely no to the family um, growing scenario. And I said, I want to establish my career first. And I went to nursing school, graduated, and I've been a nurse for almost nine years now. About two years into our relationship, Darren traveled and did all the things of maintaining a monster truck, getting to the shows, driving the monster truck at the shows, and driving the monster trucks back and forth from the shop all by himself. So when I had time and I wasn't working in the hospital, I would say, hey, can I meet you somewhere and I'll, I'll come help you? I don't know, obviously, anything about what you're doing, but if you're willing to teach me, I'm willing to learn. And he did just that. So about two years into our relationship, he said, hey, I'm going to be here. And so I'd drive or I'd fly and we'd meet each other around the country. And he would teach me, one, if he broke something, how to work on it, two, how to put the big tires on. Um, and from that point forward, I decided, huh, this seems like something that's fun. I would, And I threw it out there. I was like, man, I would love to drive one of these trucks one day competitively. I remember a very specific time early on in Darren's racing career that they had brought a female news anchor to do some media promotion for the show. And they brought a, a fire suit that they thought would fit her. They brought, you know, safety equipment, stuff like that. And she gets in the truck and she starts freaking out. And I, I said to Darren, I was like, this is a bummer. I hate sitting here watching this. I would love to do this. I could drive that truck better than she can. And he laughed. He's like, I know you can. Your time will come. Just be patient, etc." cetera. Um, eight and a half years later is when I got the question of, hey, do you want to drive this monster truck? And at that point, I'm almost 30 years old. So I'm 32 now. Um, and I think I was like 29 when they asked me. So I've been driving for three years. So that makes a little math. Um, I was like, ah, oh, they're never going to ask me. I'm at that point where they're like, never mind. No big deal. She's kind of written off because most people start their career in monster trucks much earlier than I did. Are you asking if you can have a go that whole time? And, and yeah. why, why is it not happening? If you yeah. could um, maybe shed some the, light on that. Is it just because of you? Yeah. Timing, honestly. it's It was really all timing and the investment. I am a tiny female. There have been females that worked for Bigfoot before me. Um, not saying that they did or didn't perform well. I don't know, but it it didn't work out for them in the long term of things. So to take another female on her wing and take a risk on that, I think was a big leap. And as far as being able to provide safety equipment to fit me appropriately, it's a time and a big financial investment. Um, and there just wasn't, I guess the right way to say it, it just wasn't the right time for the company. And I a hundred percent understood that because they allowed me to go with here and they allowed me to learn and they allowed me to do all the things that in my eyes, that's what you should do first before ever setting foot behind the wheel of a truck. So three years ago um, is when Hot Wheels and Bigfoot partnered. And that's when they made their first endeavor for the international Hot Wheels Monster Trucks live tour. And believe it or not, I ran to Darren. I was like, we should do that. I'll totally take time off from working at the hospital. Will you just ask them if I can go with you and I'll sell t-shirts. That's all I want to do. Just let me go with you. We'll travel and I'll just, I'll do the dirty work. I'll sell the t-shirts. I'll work on the trucks. No big deal. Well, open house came for oh. Bigfoot that year. It was 2019 and they pulled Darren and I in the office and I'm like, oh crap. You know, it's like going to the principal's office in school. You get pulled into the office. Usually and I'm like, bad news. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh -huh. Like what's happening. And they sat us both down and our main boss bob trent which is the husband of ann trent who's the daughter of bob chandler who started bigfoot so all the kids run the office he starts talking and he gets a little misty eyed and i'm like this is weird what is happening and then ann takes over and she pretty much goes we've seen you over the years you've busted your butt you've learned how to work on these trucks you make a great team with darren you're an excellent representation of the company hot wheels is going to europe and we need two trucks and two drivers what do you think about driving and matt i'm not kidding you my jaw dropped to the floor like i was speechless because i thought at that point I'm, i was starting to write off that dream right that that would never happen and immediately she's like, you don't have to answer right now. And I was like, how can I not answer you right now? I totally, I will do this. Whatever it takes, you tell me. And then from that day forward, 
It was a thousand mile a minute, getting me safety equipment, getting me fitted into a seat, getting the truck situated to the, what I needed for me, because I am a bit smaller than a lot of the guys that work for us. Um, and to do everything that they could to keep, keep it safe for me and to make this now full-time career work. It's so amazing and inspiring. And I didn't know it had been that long and a journey and, you know, maybe not a struggle. That's not the right word. Cause you're obviously spending time with your husband and, you know, you're doing sure. what you love and there's obviously all these fulfilling and, and brilliant and beautiful elements to the experience, but there must've been certain frustrations, you know, because you've been at it for so long and you really want this thing and you're thinking it's probably not going to happen. And then, you know, just to hang in there for that long and to prove yourself and to just, you know, go not even the extra mile, the extra hundred miles and just show them like, I'm committed to this. This isn't some pipe dream that I'm going to just, you know, give up on. This is my yeah. passion and I'm going to keep showing up until as you say, the time's right. And then it presents itself. And what an emotional and proud moment. Oh my gosh. It, I We were just doing an interview the other day because um, South Dakota Magazine is interviewed Darren and myself here because it's a big thing that we were in South Dakota and it's a big thing for them to celebrate for us here in, in the state. And Hometown we were talking heroes, about local that. celebrities. Right, right. Kind of. But we're, we're, we just get so humble because we are just, like any other person we we try to keep that humility for everyone so that people understand we have this amazing job it's really the truck that's the celebrity you know we just get to travel the world with it and show it off um but we were talking about that same story the other day and i just got so emotional to think um that it's been so long i mean darren and i met in 2009 so essentially since 2009 i've been doing monster trucks with him and it just came to fruition for me to be behind the wheel you know just three years ago and i still consider myself a rookie uh some say after your first year you're you're out of your rookie season but i still consider myself a rookie because i always strive to continue learning every day every event that we do while it looks the same setup everything happens and it's so different and you know, the trucks react differently and then i go from an old school truck to a newer school truck and and that you know, that journey just keeps changing because we're both getting, um, getting some new parts and things, um, in order for our next European tour. So there are some changes that are going to be happening in that network. So <clears throat> we're really excited for that journey, but you're right. It, it took a lot of consistency and dedication to continue to show up day after day, knowing that this may or may not come to fruition. And it, Truthfully, it paid off. And that's one of the biggest things that I like to, to tell people is that consistency and commitment to making a dream happen is what will cause success for you in your life. And so am I right in thinking we didn't work together this year, but would the first year that you did in the UK before COVID, was that the first time ever you kind of publicly performed in the truck in any sort of space or environment? When I debuted as a driver, I debuted in Europe internationally, and that was 2020. That was my first season. And I debuted after doing three test sessions, which were about an hour long each in the field <laughs> next to our shop in Missouri. Wow. So I debuted driving in front of an entire sold out crowd in Manchester. How was the nerves that day? Oh, my word. The nerves were on a whole nother planet to themselves. I can it only was imagine. Unreal. I can only unreal. imagine because, and... like, you know, doing the first show that I did, I was like, "Well, this is you know pretty big and intimidating." But I'd been on stage a bunch of times, I'd done a bunch of stuff, and there's no real preparation for something that big, like other than working your way up, you know, through smaller venues and stuff, which you'd obviously, you know, you'd work behind the scenes for a decade and proving your worth in that regard. But then they're just like, "Dinner, here's an arena, spotlights on, go," and you're like, "What?" <laughs> Pretty much because for the decades where I was in the back scene, I pretty much ran from the spotlight. I was never one that really liked, liked to talk on the microphone. Yeah, believe it or not, I was not one that liked to talk on the microphone. I didn't like to be in the public eye. I like to do my thing in private. And so that was a huge adjustment to me because not only did I debut there, they filmed the, the Raycom Sports with Hot Wheels Monster Truck Fly filmed my entire first season of getting ready, like my testing sessions, my, um, first time in Manchester you can catch it on Hot Wheels Monster Trucks Live the, the show is called Crushing It um, and it's out there like 
So not only was it televised and recorded every single moment, I had no real, I had no real sense of knowing, honestly, what it would be like to be on the other side of that life. And it was correct. No preparation for me probably could have been enough to know what I was getting ready to implode upon. How quickly did it come then? Because from the moment I joined, which was the year straight after COVID, so you'd only done one full tour before this, I was like, this is somebody who seems to have been doing this for their whole life, and they seem like such a natural and such a slick professional in that space. Did it did it come naturally, or is it just like you know getting to a, a point where you're trusted enough to drive the thing you were just willing to put in the work behind the scenes, or a bit of both? I think a bit of both. I honestly, I really didn't do that much preparation as far as talking on the mic or anything. I think I have to credit that to being able to take care of people as a nurse in the ER on some of their worst days of their life, to be honest, and being able to to relate to them and understand and sympathize with what they were going through. Um, and not only that, I the hard part for me is 2020 is when I debuted, but 2020 is when I very unexpectedly lost my mom. And I had this whole new change in perspective of what life really meant and how I was going to live out the rest of my days, making sure that anything that I did, I put 150% of my effort and energy into it. And to make sure that that corresponded to the people that were watching me and that I was quote unquote influencing or being a role model for. I completely understand both of those um, reasons as, as to why you seem so, I think at home in that environment. First of all, um, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm really sorry for your loss. And if you don't mind, maybe we'll, we'll pick up on that in a little moment. But um, mm -hmm. working in the other environment, hospitals, and is it the emergency, ER nursing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, um, not to take over in any way, but just to shed some context from my perspective, in 2013, so 10 years ago this year, I broke my spine and ended up in hospital for three months as a result of that. And so I was flat on my back just living in, in the bed for three months whilst the bones healed naturally or conservatively, I guess, as they called it, because they didn't want to operate because the fractures were like, there was a few and it was quite complicated and they were like the surgery we'd have to do, um, you know, is, is very complex and it would just benefit your body and, you know, the, the chances of a full kind of correct heal if you just allowed the body to do the work. So three months in bed. And in that time I got to see a hospital ward in all of its, you know, glory and horror and, and everything in between. And um, seeing the work that nurses do, like m my family and I grew quite disdainful of the doctors and their attitude to a lot of it. That was just my experience. But the nurses, and I, I can attest to this, but from day one till the day I was discharged, they were the absolute backbone of the healthcare system here in the UK. And I'm sure it's the same over there. The work yeah. that you do is so far and beyond what most people can ever comprehend, really. And as you say, you see people in their most vulnerable and, and battered and shattered and, you know, and you have to make them feel in a, in a bad situation as comfortable as you can. And that's such a unique relationship, isn't it? And such a oh, 100%. position of power that you can, if you had the wrong attitude, which a couple of people who, who cared for me did, you can really you know impact someone on such a negative way um it's a very i don't know whether privileged is the right word but it's a it's a powerful and privileged position i think to occupy isn't it as somebody's kind of carer at their most vulnerable oh absolutely and not only that like especially when you experience an expiration or, or a death um you're not only caring for that patient but you're caring for the rest of their family and from the moment and like I told you, this year would be nine years that I've been a nurse. But from the moment that I lost my mom, I was actually at work um, in Arizona because after 2020 happened, our tour here, we went into the whole nation, went into COVID times, right? So I'm like nursing in one of the world's most largest pandemics that we've ever had as a nurse in an emergency room who we're still learning about what's going on. But we got back from that tour in 2020, and I think that was in February. My mom never got to see me drive a monster truck. She thought it was the coolest thing ever, but she never got to physically see me drive. And one of the last things that I had 
um, spoken with her encounter wise was that we were having to cancel our open house at Bigfoot, which is where she was going to come to watch me drive. That was the big deal that year, you know. But from the moment forward that I received that phone call, I was at work taking care of a trauma patient in the emergency room. My life changed. And like, it's hard to say how that changed not only me as a person, but me as a nurse and me as a a monster truck driver in a few words. But it really says to people when you've gone through something so traumatic or grief stricken as that process was for me, how you take care of those other people that are in the room with that person that they just lost. Um, And that's what I strive to do. And I know it's so hard for me to explain to anyone that hasn't gone through that, um, how that emotion is and how that feels to be that person that's the superior if you will, as, as the nurse in that room to take care of those other people. But it's, it is something that I hope to press upon my coworkers every time I work with them, that it is not only important to take care of your patient, but to take care of the other people that are there with you, because you are the last person that they're going to remember in a moment that they want to forget for the rest of their lives, nine times out of 10. Yeah. It's, it's such a, um, a unique relationship and even if it only lasts for that you know brief moment in time as you say the memory of that you know lives on for for as long as they do could you share with me some of the um more really life-affirming and incredibly inspiring moments without giving anybody's you know personal details away but because you must have seen and experienced every version of uh, of incident and there must be moments some days where you go away going i'm doing you know, whether it's God's work or whoever it is, like the stuff of life and death, and it's so profound. What have been some of the moments that have really stayed with you? And yeah, like uh, a positive and life affirming way, or is it every day? We could go on for hours, to be honest with you. But couple couple of the incidents that I had in mind, like as an emergency room nurse, you take care of everyone, no matter their background, no matter where they come from, no matter what crime they have committed. You take care of them like they're a human being and they're a patient. And I've taken care of quite a few um, inmates that are on death row um, in the U.S. I have taken care of murderers. I have taken care of children that go from drowning in a swimming pool to coming back to life again. Um, I mean, you, honestly, it's so hard to think. Um, some days of all the things that I have seen and I have done and I've experienced and still come out on a, I guess a lot of people really question like a positive side of life because I've seen so much sadness, but I've also seen so much greatness. You know, I got to work at a period in my career where I helped to deliver babies and I transported them via air flight to, um, to a larger hospital so that they could get the resources that they need. And I got to watch these parents' lives change um, for the better most times, you know, that they were experiencing the joy of life and the gift of life. Um, I've also experienced the sadness of life where I've had a very, very impactful um, 10 year old that um, made the biggest impact on my life, but unfortunately lost her journey to cancer at 10 years old, you know, so I've seen and done a lot of really life changing things. And I think it, absolutely molded me in a way um, to, to be understanding and empathetic and to try and bring the most joy to people on, you know, sometimes their hardest days, but to go from a career where um, I see people on their saddest days, I also strive to be that person that they can get a smile from, or at least some sort of um, em- empathy from of what they're going through to being an entertainer and putting on a show and putting smiles on people's faces you know, like it's such a vastly different career <laughs> to choice to go from monster trucks to nursing or nursing to monster trucks, but they're both so rewarding in their own way. Yeah. And, and just a couple of like recent experiences with me. So on the last um, run of shows that you guys did in Birmingham where I wasn't performing, but I came down and I was with that day, a friend's kids and and he was meant to be there with his partner but she was rushed to to a hospice like the day before the show because she had stage four cancer and and so that was going to be their kind of like last family day out and unfortunately she didn't quite 
you know, hang on long enough to make it. So I kind of took the kids along and just seeing their escapist kind of joy in that <clears> moment. Um, you know, you don't go to a show like Monster Trucks and expect there to be all of these heavy life scenarios playing out. But of course they are because we all have, you know, life and death happening in our lives, whether it's, you know, omnipresent and, and today or around the corner, it's always a play. And I think doing those kind of shows, and again, because I'm so used to music, which is a lot more of a kind of an adult nightlife world, uh, a lot less family friendly. And, and, and so you, you're tapping into different energies. But with that space, because it, it is family orientated, um, you know, it brings to light these themes of, of relationships with parents and, and grandparents and stuff like that. And it can be such a beautiful and profound experience. And um, yeah, seeing the way that you guys through the trucks that you drive and the performances that you put on affect people and seeing it from the crowd is a really cool perspective as well. Um, and yeah, although they do seem like two very different worlds to inhabit being a nurse and a monster truck driver, as you say, there's yeah. a, a lot of overlap, isn't it? Which ultimately is about making people feel empowered in the moment. Absolutely. No, you nailed that right on the head. And I'm so sorry to your friend and their, the family that lost their, their mom that's just a hard thing but that just goes to show like crash zone is so important to me when we went through that year that we didn't have crash zones or we weren't able to come out that was so hard for me because that's how I connect with people and having a a coverage and everybody has their own opinions on the mask and things like that and I don't want to get into the politics or things like that but having that that mask across your face half of your face that covers your true emotions especially for children was so difficult not only in nursing, but in monster trucks and in the crash zone experience, because we, it's hard to relate and understand and see the true genuine emotion that you have and how important it is to be able to talk to someone. That was one of like, honestly, anytime anybody asks me what my favorite part of the show is, I always say crash zone because I love talking with people and I love interacting with the fans and that's how they get to know you other than through social media. But that's how you relate to someone and you never know. And it's so important for people to understand this. You really never, ever know what somebody else is going through ever from the time that you meet them. You don't know if they just had the, the worst moment of their life or the best moment of their life. You always treat people with some sort of kindness and regard to who they are as a human being. We're all human beings. And unfortunately, we're all put on this planet to live and we're all put on this planet to die. We never know when that time's coming. So it's important to me to showcase everyone that you should live every day to your fullest and enjoy it and do your best to be kind to everyone, no matter their background or what they're going through. Amen. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On the flip side, in the crash zone, what have been some of the moments that stand out for you, exchanges and interactions with, with fans? Because... I see when I'm, you know, roaming the floor and doing whatever I'm doing, I see boys and girls, but especially like, you know, young girls and their faces light up when they see, if they don't know beforehand, if it's their like, you know, first year going and they see that the driver of, you know, that the most popular truck is a woman. Um, 
and they start freaking out because you know i've seen it at gigs when there's like a female singer in a band or whatever and you see women down the front row and they're looking at it going wow you know i can do that um because she showed me that i can have you had a lot of moments like that little conversations and exchanges with with young kids where they've kind of gone i want to do what you do that must beyond warm the heart oh my gosh it's so important i get it every show and it's amazing because a lot of people don't know that females can wheel around on the monster truck too. It's important, you know, to understand that we're in a day and age where um, gender means nothing really anymore. It's equality across the board for whatever thing that you want to try and do. You know, it's really cool to have not only little boys, little girls and moms, moms, especially they're like, you're so great. Like, how, how did you do this? How can I do this? And they get so empowered just by have, being me just standing there breathing in front of this monster truck. That's it. They haven't seen me perform. They haven't seen me drive the truck. Nothing. They know that my name is on there and I get to drive it and I'm going to be driving it, but they think it's the coolest thing. And I also think it's the coolest thing to be able to be a positive role model for their children and for them as well. The, some of the most special moments that I get though during crash zone are children that are on, um, that either have like disabilities or special needs children or um, children on the autistic spectrum. Um, and I 150% credit my ability to relate with them and to be able to talk with them or pull them out of their shell a little bit um, to nursing, because that's where I learned how to navigate that sort of life. You know, not everybody is um, functioning on what you would expect the normal IQ, right? And there are these children that I personally think God puts in our life that gives us that extra little reason to appreciate life a little bit more and our abilities to walk and talk and be able to understand. And my sister-in-law is one of those. Um, so I, I truly think that nursing really took over that part of my life of being able to get those shy kids, get down on their level and be able to talk to them. And I have gotten, gosh, Matt, I can't even tell you like how many messages I get when I, when we're performing and doing shows of moms and dads, just thanking me for taking that extra time. And you've seen it, you know, I have the longest line a lot of times in crash zone and it's sometimes because, because of the truck and because it's me, but a lot of times it's because I take that little extra moment with them um, to relate with the kids and have a conversation. I just think it's important for them to see that they're, the person that's talking to them and driving this monster truck is a real human being too. And that we have some similar likes or similar dislikes and, and outtakes on life. Yeah. And it makes it less transactional then as well. Um, Cause sometimes meet and greets and those kind of things can be a bit like, thanks, chick photo next. Um, exactly. And when you do just take a second or two to, to converse with someone and, and look them in the eye and you know, what are your tastes, what are your likes, what are your hopes and dreams and stuff. You can do that in a, a minute or so. And it just means that then they go away with that extra bit of appreciation for the whole experience. Cause they've seen it from the very start. And then the next thing you're up in the air, you know, flying over cars and they're like, oh my God, it's the same person. And just makes the whole experience of the show that much more special. I think the best thing for me is at the end, yeah. the walk around that we do at the end when the lights come back on and, and you see, you've seen them at the crash zone, you know, you've interacted with them at various points, maybe throughout the show, if you're a host or if not, you've kind of, you know, you've done whatever round it is, you've come out, you've had a little interview on the mic as a driver, but then at the very end of the show, the lights come on and you just see, all these wide eyes in the crowd. That's such a unique highlight of the whole gig for me is that final moment. And everybody's just like waving like crazy and just so appreciative. Yeah. Even the parents, the best is when you see the parents at the start of the day and they're like, you know, I'm here to obviously entertain the kids. And you always look at them like, you're going to have a good time. You're going to have a good time too. And they always do without, you know, 9.5 times out of 10 without fail. You see the parents at the end and they're like, double thumbs up because they've absolutely loved it yeah absolutely you know that one too like i think we actually started the walk around um in the uk that's where everything originated because you guys are like i will always say this the uk fans are the best fans in the entire world period hands down i love you guys i love coming to the uk um i yeah we started that over there and i was blown away how, is that because the crowds would of all, sort of stay and wait after the show was done? Yeah. It wasn't just that they leave immediately and they're there absolutely, like trying to absolutely. catch a glimpse of you. And... I cried. I legitimately cried the first time that I experienced that because it was such an overwhelming, like emotional moment for me 
of seeing like just how grateful and how happy people were. <laughs> it was it's crazy. The best. It's the yeah, best. It it's, is a, it's a privilege, privilege role. And um, I'm so grateful that I get to do it. Um, what else do I want to ask you? There's a couple more things. So, okay, what about when you're in the truck? What, what's been some of the moments where things have gone really awry that stand to mind? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, as my eyes just got big for the people that can't see, they're listening. My eyes got very big. Um, the London O2 gets me every year. This is my second year in a row that I have uh, whoopsied and rolled my truck onto its side. Man, that, that building gets me. I don't know the what it is. Curse of the O2, yeah. It is. It's the curse of the O2. I roll my truck every time, but you know the fans love it. Yeah, I <laughs> mean it the, always the makes for a great part, show. Absolutely. The best part is, and a lot of people don't get to hear this, but we're 100% safe. I if I get hurt, it's most 98% of the time more outside of the truck because I hit my head on things or I hit my knee on something versus inside the truck. The trucks are 100% safe. But <laughs> the London O2 gets me every time. Of course, we don't want to roll our trucks, but things happen. And you guys, if I were to buy a car and I would have it imported from anywhere, it would be from the UK because your cars are brick walls. <laughs> they impossible to crush, are, are they? <laughs> yes, just about. That's a good way to say it. Almost impossible to crush, but you never really know what's going to happen when you hit a car, if it's going to fold the right way or not. So you take that risk every time you go out. But anytime I roll, especially in the London O2, man, two for two out of that building gets me every time that's the highlight of this year and then i think i actually rolled twice this year on tour i was in belgium and i think belgium got me too <laughs> do you like being on tour do you like the whole experience of being on the road it seems like you make the most of it it seems like you and darren really yeah. turn it into you know i mean because that's the other thing right is when you travel for work i see it a lot in the various different lanes that i exist in is people get jaded by life on the road and they actually don't enjoy being on tour and it feeds into their performance in the shows. And you sort of think like, if you don't, I mean, I get it to an extent, some people when they're in the live entertainment industry, it's the only way they can make money. So they kind of have to be on the road to, to make money, but you can really see the difference between people who enjoy not just the performance element of their work, but the traveling and the touring as well. And it seems like you guys you know, grateful for the opportunities to travel and, and, and move around and, you know, kind of go on paid holidays. Right. Do you enjoy that? part? Kinda, of yeah. It? We love tour. Honestly, it's hard to not be on tour because that's our way of life. That's what we know. We enjoy it. We actually gave up having a, an actual house. Um, we sold our house in December of 20, 2020. 2021 something like that we bought a big fifth wheel that we park at the bigfoot shop and we pack it up when we're on the road so we actually don't even have a, a true home anymore pardon me um so that's why we're able to come up to south dakota because we don't have that obligation to be there so we really make the most of what we can as long as we're together it doesn't matter because we don't have to worry about you know where is our spouse going here what, what's going on there how do i make this relationship work and or how do i make this relationship work if i'm over here and he's over there we actually get to do it together. And that's the best part about our job is that one, we live together, we travel together, we work together, and we're doing something that we both truly love to do. And you still love each other. That's the most important yeah, part. And we as still well, love right? each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do all these things together and we still enjoy each other's company. That's the most exactly. important part right there. So yep. can I ask you this? I hope you don't mind me asking you this. Does does grief ever get easier? Um, no, you just learn to live with it a little bit different. As you know, in America, we just celebrated Mother's Day. It's one of the hardest holidays to celebrate because I, while I have an amazing mother-in-law here, it's hard to know that I'm, I'm missing a huge part of my life. You know, my mom was very young. She was just 56, I believe, 56, 57. She was very young still. And in my eyes, it wasn't her time to go. And there were so many more opportunities that I wanted her to be able to experience with me in my life. And um, with death comes change in family dynamics. And I not only grieved the loss of my mom, but I grieved the rest of my family because they decided to go a different path in life. And I hope, you know, people will experience this, but I, I hope to be very solid, positively impactful, but death changes people. And sometimes it's not in the most positive manner. And so you have to draw boundary lines of what you will and will, won't tolerate um, from those experiences. And I've had to do quite a bit of that um with people of my own blood and unfortunately it it causes some 
um, sadness from time to time, but you learn to live with the positive changes that you've made and boundaries that you've set. And it and ultimately leads to a happier life in the end. Is it just kind of you then really now for, from your yeah. biological family? <clears throat> yeah. My sister and I talk from time to time. Um, she decided to go on path, but for the rest of my family, I have a half brother and an aunt. And that's really all that I had left in my biological family. Um, my biological dad was never involved in my life. Uh, my mom raised me and my sister um, by herself. So she was, she played parents of both roles. She was an amazing woman. We, of course, as teenagers, as I was a teenager, we had our challenges as any, you know, mother daughter duo would. Um, but she was very supportive of what I did. She always tried her hardest to give us what she didn't have growing up. And, um, there definitely, there's definitely not a single day that goes by that I don't miss her. You know, she was a very important person in my life for a long time. She's my one and only mom that I'll ever have. You know, so it's hard. It's hard sometimes to think about, you know, future, future life things that I'll experience, you know, that she's not a part of in person. Well, she did an amazing job with you, Rebecca Snow. Oh, thank you. And um, she was a very proud mom. She was I have <laughs> anytime, no doubt about that. Oh, my gosh. Anytime that she had the opportunity to brag on my sister, I, she did definitely. And, you know, and I was actually just reading my Facebook memories for the day. Um, and my mom, I actually pull this out for you right now, because it's really an emotional thing that I read this morning that she wrote on Facebook and it like, anytime memories like that come out, it's like, Oh man, I miss you. Like, come my goodness. Why? Why? But my mom wrote eight years ago. She said, it was really nice to see you, Rebecca and Darren. I enjoyed the visit. It's never long enough, but way better than not seeing you at all. Okay. It's a mom thing. And folks, Rebecca will always be my baby. Thanks for the gift. And I love you guys. I pray for you every day. Oh. Yeah. Those, I mean, just in like a couple years ago, it'll be three years that her, that she passed in July this year. And about a year ago, two, a year and a half, two, almost two years ago, I probably would have like sobbed had I had to read that, you know? And while I have been able to go through this path of managing my emotions a little bit or feeling the emotions because you know that's always a thing that we're not really good at is feeling our emotions sometimes um i i read that today and i actually smiled because yesterday was mother's day it was kind of a hard day but i expected it and then i read that today and i smiled because i just know like she was so proud and she's she's a good mom you know and it's hard but it's not something that i can't do because i've been doing it for the last almost three years but I miss her. I think it's so unfortunate as well that often it is people who, well, I find this in life all the time. It's those that have experienced grief and trauma and pain and sadness and heartache and all of these things that hopefully make us better and more appreciative and more grounded and humble and, and grateful. Um, it can go the other way sometimes and it does. But I think when, you can learn from these, you know, traumatic and, and painful experiences and, and grow as a result of them. That's really, again, that's the kind of essence of, of life, isn't it? And why we're here. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I had been, like I said, I've been a nurse for nine years this year. So I was a nurse for six and a half, seven years when my mom passed away. And I thought I had experienced, you know, trauma and grief at that point of just living day in and day out of my job. Until you go through something like that yourself, you truly never really understand what those people ever went through. And I tell you, I'll give you a secret of one of the things that I try to do when I unfortunately have an expiration on, on shift. Um, cause I still nurse still today. I'm not full-time, but I'm part-time. So I still nurse. Um, but one of the things that I remember the most was after the funeral service, the funeral director, cause I came from a tiny town, knew me, we went to school together. He's like, Hey, do you want a, a fingerprint of your mom? And I'm like, well, that's an odd thing to ask, but yeah, I think I would. So I got a fingerprint and my husband had this bracelet that I wear, never take off. Can't really see it on your camera, but yeah, got it's it. got my mom's fingerprint on it. And it's got from the last card that she ever wrote, Darren and I, and she, it says, I love you, my boo, which was my nickname from her. Um, and it signed mom and it's in her handwriting. So that's something that I take away and I offer every time I have an expiration now, because a lot of times people don't have that moment of the finality of that um and it's something that immediately gives them some sort of sense of peace knowing that they have something of that person that will live on forever a fingerprint is like no one else's 
And so it's something that I just take that extra five minutes to do every time. And it makes the biggest impact on people. Well, thank you for sharing that today. I would have never even thought of that as a, as a concept. Um, yeah. What I know, about... and for some people, it's going to sound very morbid, but it's something no, that no. just means so much. It's it's hopeful, I think, and you know everybody has their own um, spiritual beliefs and what comes next after this. And um, yeah, that's something that I probably think about more than more. Than, I don't know whether it's more than healthy. It's more than I should, but I definitely think you know, like what does what what does happen after this? And I'm definitely of the opinion that it doesn't end. Um, so I think that you know people can sometimes find comfort in that as well but you you mentioned a moment ago Rebecca as we approach the end of the conversation you mentioned a moment ago you kind of lost your way a little bit quite recently was that just still the aftermath of, of the grief or was it like other things happening as well and if you wouldn't mind shedding some light on how you've managed to shift out of that that would be wonderful I think a nice optimistic positive way to to end a beautiful conversation yeah, no, I think it happens. And I guess the, for the first two years, I didn't really know how to navigate it. But um, with holiday, um, and unfortunately, the, the anniversary of my mom's passing, that's in July, my mom's birthday is in October, my birthday's in November, Thanksgiving's in November, Christmas is in December. So you have those big whammies all three months in a row. And for the first two years, I really didn't understand how to navigate my emotions and how to deal with the loss of that and her not experiencing those things. And I'm very active in fitness and I try to stay very active, as you know. Um, and I completely fell off a wagon. I got to the point where I didn't really want to get out of bed. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't eat very much. Um, and honestly, tour life saved me. Um, I came to visit Darren's parents in December of last year and they, the surrounding uh, aspect of family really helps, especially when you have young kids around. We have uh, nieces and nephews that were around all the time and making sure that I was entertaining with them and showing up for them every day was something that meant the world to me. And then going back on tour and finding, you know, my purpose and passion and what I truly love to do. And knowing that she could see that aspect of my life, as in I believe in the afterlife. And I think she's with us every day and she can see anything that I'm doing. She can't see it here on person in person, but I know she's watching from above and I know she's smiling from ear to ear. But those types of things are what really, I think, change the mindset of living with the loss and navigating how to get through your day to day. And I think it's important for people to understand, like, grief is not a linear journey. It has so many peaks and waves and hills and lows. And as long as you continue to be consistent and show up for yourself every day, that's what matters. And to be able to live your life and completing that day, knowing that you did the best that you could and you made it. And that's very different from individual to individual. If all you can do is get out of the bed and eat breakfast that day, then that is what matters. If you get up, get on the treadmill, go for a walk get all of your tasks accomplished for the day. That's awesome. Good for you. You did it. You nailed it. You're able to check that off. But you have to take in consideration that self-care is so important so that you not only show up for yourself, but you can show up for those other people. And that was probably one of the hardest things for me to understand and learn that yeah, because I, because you're giving so you, much of yourself to, to others. And yeah. 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 I give, I give a lot of myself to other people and I wouldn't change that to the, for the world. Honestly, Matt, I love being a giver and showing up for other people and being that person for them. But I had to learn for myself that I had to show up for myself too. I was just as important as showing up for everybody else. And I've done it and I've navigated it and I figured it out. And I am, I'm so much happier. And it, I hope it shows, honestly. Like I really, truly hope that my energy and my, my positivity and my light on life translates to other people. I'd say 100%. You know, I think we've only, we've only done two tours together and like the leap from the first to the second for me that was kind of my experience with everybody because you know it's just the nature of it isn't it you get into your own little yeah. touring bubbles and, and we literally had bubbles the first time because of the masks and the yeah. distancing and stuff but yeah, yeah I really felt like a growth in my relationship with a lot of the team this year and I think I only did two weekends this year I think it was only two Alex did two I did two yeah and um it was just it was a whole different experience and I think the COVID regulations was a huge part of that being lifted I think it was a huge yeah. part of it, but it's also just, you know, familiarity grows. And, but yeah, I think that, um, 
it's so evident to anybody who comes to these monster truck shows how in awe of the the experience and the opportunity you all are you in particular and i i love working with you i love working with darren and i just i'm i'm very grateful for for the friendship that we share for the work opportunities we get to experience together and uh, i really 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 enjoyed this i knew that i would um but yeah i'm i'm just amazed at how much uh light you have to give and it's very inspiring and you're you're an yeah. inspiring and awesome person rebecca snell so don't don't uh. go changing <laughs> <laughs> you are as well and matt i just want to say like you're, it's such an honor to work with you like i i wish that everybody could get to know you like we know you and it's such a, a great opportunity that we have not only like working together but the friendship that we share and getting to see these experiences in the world together and bringing light to other people's lives you know there's not a lot of people that get to do that and it's such an honor to be a part of that with you hell yeah well i look forward to many more many more yeah and yeah. um in the meantime i'll I'll link and stuff you know your instagram handle and everything here because one of my yeah. favorite things to see when you're out on the road is the hotel dance routines always are well, well received <laughs> and um yeah you know social media can also be a very i think negative place sometimes and i also yeah. think that um we're in this age now of like influencer culture which i really loathe because a lot of people you know they don't really think about the impact that their voice has and they're not really trying to influence in a positive way they're just trying to you know get followers and likes and it's all very self-interested yeah. but I, I feel like you're you know somebody who's a genuinely influential presence online as well and i, I love the you know the tone of your posts and what you share and what you put out it's really fun and uplifting um and yeah we definitely need more of that in the the precarious world of social media oh, you're so <laughs> kind matt i agree with you though i i really do it and i think a lot of people i agree like they get caught up in the numbers and you know mm. you really can't have genuine conversation or relationships with the bots so um that's why I try and take my time and go through and respond to everyone. I, I genuinely do. And it is me that runs my social media. Darren runs his social media and we are the people behind the screens and we respond to you and we are the ones that are making the posts. And I think it's so important to, for people to remember that, you know, we're human beings too. And we have emotions and we have feelings. So be nice kids. And be nice. Exactly. <laughs> Always be nice until someone's exactly. not nice. And then, you know, then you can deal with that as you see fit so what is on the immediate cards for you guys what's coming up before i next see you you know in sort of january February? oh next yeah year? fun what stuff will, what will the second yeah. half of 2023 look like for team bigfoot and, and team schnell yeah american tour we're going on tour doing the hot wheels monster trucks live um second tour here in the u.s we will be on tour from the end of july i think till the middle of november so quite a few wow. weeks straight there yep busy time <laughs> traveling all over seeing the seeing the united states world which we're, we're very excited to be a part of that tour um it's, it's a different uh challenge and we love challenges as we say around here what do we say challenge, challenge accepted, accepted right? isn't it Boom. mic drop <laughs> yeah. that's the moment yeah amazing rebecca you're a badass thank you so much for your time Aww. really enjoyed thank it thank you for having me and uh yeah please give my love to darren and uh absolutely yeah. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk real soon. All right. Thank you. You as well. Thanks, Rebecca. You rule. Thanks, Mwah. Matt. You're an honor. It was an honor. Thank you so much for having me. Talk soon. Absolutely. Bye now. Bye bye. Hurry.